Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, it's good to see you guys. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus on this frigid, cold Sunday morning. But you know, look ahead. The next week looks like it's going to get warmer so we can make it through this. But if you're joining us for the first time, uh, again, welcome. My name is Scott, and we are in a series that we kicked off January the 7th called Transform. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at things that God desires to change in our life or to transform in our lives, things that will make us become more and more like Christ. You know, that's the whole goal from the, from the moment. And I know not everybody's made that decision to follow Christ, but the moment we do, the goal is that from that point till the day we leave this earth, that we become more and more like Jesus, right? And so these, we're talking through some things that we can transform in our lives. Uh, the first week we looked at really being Christ representative and the fact that we need to make Christ attractive in everything we do, in our dealings, in our words, in our behaviors, and in our actions. And then last week, we looked at the story of the loving father, the prodigal son, in the book of Luke, and how if we're going to transform, you know, if we're going to change anything in our life, we have to be walking close with the Lord. And so we looked at the process of coming to the Lord or coming back to the Lord, right, if we've, if we've strayed away. And we simply have to abandon the direction we're heading, get tired of our life the way we're living, being so far away from God. we got to repent of our sin, you know, own our part, and then we got to surrender our lives to Christ. So that's kind of where we've been. Those talks are available on our website. Uh, the key verse we've been looking at each week is Romans 12, 2. And if you want the notes on your phone, you can scan one of the QR codes on the side screen, or you can download that Church Center app. But we'll look at this verse every single week because it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. But what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So today, we're going to talk about stress. Anybody carrying any stress uh, this week. Uh, parents that have kids that have been out of school most of the week, I'm sure you can relate to having a little bit of stress. Well, what is stress? And how do we transform from a, a stress in our life or stressfulness in our life to having peace that the Lord desires for us to have? Well, let's look at the, def the definition of what stress is. It's the state of worry or mental tension in our life. Right, stress is how we respond to difficult situations or challenges or threats in our life. In other words, when, when our body feels threatened, right, our body's going to react. And, and that's a good thing. If you're, you know, getting ready to run through an intersection and, and you see somebody is running a red light and you slam on the brakes and stop your car, then, then that's a good thing. That's your body reacting to that stress. But the problem is when we live in a state of persistent stress, right? We're constantly stressed out. In other words, our body never gets a chance to shut down. 
Our body never gets a chance to rest. Constant stress is a problem. And quite honestly, in our culture, that's where a lot of us are today. That's the life that we're living. We're living a life of perpetual stress. So, so as we go through this, I want you to just kind of do a, a little self-reflection, not looking for you to, to give an answer out loud or if you're sitting at home with a couple people, not looking for you to share. But if you had to answer what it is that causes you the most stress right now in your life, what would it be? And I want you to just kind of think about that. You know, it could be a relationship, could be, you know, your job, it could be school, it could be anything. But just kind of think about that. What causes me the most stress in my life right now? So let's just talk about a few things that we know cause us stress in general. One is worry, right? When we're constantly worrying about what's coming, what's going to happen, worry is a stressor in our life. And, and let's be honest, there are more things to worry about today than there even was 10 years ago or five years ago. I think about uh, my parents and their generation. You know, it wasn't that there was less things to worry about then that would stress them out, but they had to look harder for things to worry about, right? They, they would have to intentionally turn on the television and watch the news, or they have to go to the, the paper box and get the paper out and sit down and read the paper in order to find things to worry about in the world. Today, it's not like that because of, our, you know, our phones, our devices, the technology. We have tons of information at our fingertips, so we're constantly being bombarded with everything that's wrong in the world and all the things that we should be worried about. And even if you're trying to say, you know, dry January on the news, all right, you're trying to stay away from it, there's going to be people you work with, go to school with, you hang out with, and they're going to be up to date on those things that we need to worry about. And they're going to share them. You, you really can't get away from it. So worry's a cause of our stress. What's something else? The pace of our life. We're constantly moving, constantly going, you know, there's... Uh, there's no time to relax, and even if we find a little window in our life where we can relax, we don't even know what to do with that because we're not used to that downtime. So worry will stress us out. The pace of our life will stress us out. Something else that, that causes us stress is too many choices in life, too many options. And, and this really kind of came alive for me Probably about 20 years ago, we had this group of missionaries come into our church in Abingdon from all over the world. And two of the gentlemen were from Africa, and they had forgotten. One of them had forgotten toothpaste, and the other one had forgotten, I believe it was deodorant. And so I took them to Walmart at Exit 7 in, in Abingdon or Bristol. And then we get to the health and beauty aisle of Walmart and where the deodorant is, and then where the toothpaste was, and they were literally paralyzed. It was, it was sad, really, but they, you know, they're just sitting there looking, and they could not make a decision on, you know, what to get. And I'm like, what, what's the matter? And they're like, we have one choice in our country for, for toothpaste, and, and we have, you know, men's deodorant and women's deodorant, and that's it. So 
in our life, we think, wow, those choices are good though, right? We like having a lot of choices, but it's not always a good thing because too many choices in our life leads to indecision, and indecision in our life causes us stress. So worry, too many choices, um, you know, too many options, the, the pace of our life. What else? How about privacy? Lack of privacy can cause us stress, right? And we don't have any privacy today. I don't know if you know this, but, you know, the government knows your business, the schools know your business, the local community knows your business, even the church knows some of your business, right? We lack privacy, and that causes us stress. Have you ever been talking to somebody about, you know, I'm thinking about buying a new grill, and then you log on your computer, and all of a sudden you start getting ads for grills? Yeah, there's no privacy. But that lack of being able to get away, the lack of being able just to, to be alone and, and not have to worry about what everybody else knows, that's a, that's a cause of stress. What about our, our fear of the future? That causes stress, doesn't it? Fear of our past, what we've done, I hope nobody finds out about this, that causes us stress. So those are just some examples in culture of things that stress us out. And I brought those up today with the intention of trying to stress you out, to realize, hey, we need help, so you're welcome for that. But we're going to look at what I think is the most popular psalm in all of Scripture, and it's the 23rd psalm. And if you've ever been to a funeral, you've heard the, the 23rd psalm, or you've seen it printed on the little handout that they give you about the deceased, but... In this psalm, I think we can find the solution to reducing the stress in our life, transforming from a life of constant and persistent stress to a, to a life of peace and a life of rest because that's what the Lord really desires. He does not want us going through this life constantly worried and constantly stressed out about everything. So let's take a look at it. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I don't think it's an accident that this is the most popular psalm, because this psalm has literally brought people comfort and peace for thousands of in thousands of years. And I think today it still shows us how to have that peace, how to reduce that stress in our life. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Learning number one, to reduce stress, I need to look to God to meet all my needs. Isn't that, this psalm was written by King David. Isn't that the first thing that King David says in this psalm? You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. What does that mean? It means I am basically relinquishing the right of leading and guiding my own life 
and I'm turning that over to the Lord. I'm going to trust God to do what he says he's going to do. I'm going to allow him to be my shepherd. I'm going to allow him to guide my entire life. So if I do that, I lack nothing. I have to trust I've got everything that I need because God is in control. Essentially what we're saying is I'm putting all of my security, all of my trust, not in me and my abilities, but I'm going to put it in God's hands. Now, most of you are familiar probably with the King James version of this if you grew up uh, in church, but it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, I'm not going to spend all this time and I'm not going to constantly stress over the things that I don't have. I'm going to realize because God is in control, I have everything that I need. I have nothing that I don't need because God is my shepherd. Romans 8.32 says, Since he did not spare even his own son, talking about God, but gave him up for us all, won't he always give us everything else? In other words, if God loves us enough that he sent Jesus to this earth to die on a cross for my sin and your sin, don't you think God loves us enough to meet all our needs? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. David is essentially saying to reduce stress, refocus your life on God. He's the shepherd, he's in charge, he's the one that's going to guide you. So every time we get stressed out about anything and everything in life, that's the the line we should remember. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I have all I need. I shall not want. Here's something else. Learning number two, to reduce stress, I need rest. Right? The first thing we got to do is say, God, you're in control. I'm giving you complete authority. You can guide my life. I'm going to trust that you are my shepherd. The second thing we have to do is rest. And I think we need to talk about this a lot because, again, that pace of our life is constant. And we really don't know how to rest. So, so much of the stress in our life comes because we're always in a hurry. We're constantly thinking of what we have to do. We don't have enough time in the day to do what we need to do. And what ends up happening is we don't get enough rest. I read an article this week that the average American gets like six and a half hours of sleep. And that's not enough. Rest is important. God says rest is important. As a matter of fact, God rests. We know after creation, after God finished creating the heavens and the earth, what did he do? He rested. Genesis 2.2 says on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So what did he do? He rested from all his work. It's not like God's like us and he gets, he gets tired. He was simply modeling for us as our shepherd, the one who's leading us, the one who's guiding us, that rest is important. And you can't read the Bible and not see how important rest is because it constantly talks about it. Jesus said this in Mark, Mark 2, 27. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And listen, culture's going to fight you on this. 
Even when people tell me or, or tell you that, that they're resting, they're not. They're still checking email. They're still worried about work. They're still answering phone calls. That's not a Sabbath day of rest as God defined in the Scripture. Now, what's interesting is in this Psalm 23, David said, he makes me lie down. That's not an option, is it? Well, Scott, if you want to rest, you have that option. No, he makes me lie down. What happens if we don't get enough rest? We will lay down, won't we? Eventually, our body breaks down, we get sick, and I'm not saying that's why we always get sick, but we will be forced to rest. God makes us lie down. So we look to God to meet our needs. I lack nothing. You are my shepherd, and we rest and try to enjoy our life. Now, when we read this psalm, generally, we kind of skip over some of these things, but I want you to notice David said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And then he talks about quiet waters. What does that mean? What can we get from that? Well, nature. Think about God's creation for a minute. You know, his creation right now here is pretty cold. But when you get outside and you look at God's creation, the magnificent creation of the world is beautiful, isn't it? I mean, it's absolutely stunning when you, when you look at the mountains or, you know, you're on the coast and you look at the coast or, or trees or animals or whatever. His creation, part of the, the purpose is to refresh us and to rest us. You ever heard anybody say, well, gosh, I feel, I feel so close to God when I'm in nature, right? Whether they're on a hike, whether they're camping, whether they're, you know, got their toes in the sand on a nice warm beach somewhere, right? Why is that? Because it absolutely is amazing. And part of the purpose, the green pastures and the quiet waters, is to refresh us, to restore our soul, one of the translations says. So for stress reduction, not only do we say, God, you're in control, you're going to be my shepherd, you are guiding my entire life, not only do we get rest, but you know, we should get outside. We should get outside every day, even if it's for a couple minutes. You know, even when it's cold, it's still beautiful when you look outside. If, if you go for a drive, just get out of the house. We were not meant or designed to be inside, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, only looking at four walls. Well, what if I'm homebound? Open the shades. You know, just look outside and enjoy God's amazing nature. Because he says when we do that, it refreshes our soul. And what David's alluding to here is spending time with God. That's why people feel so close to God in nature. They're spending time with God. Even better, instead of getting up in the morning and, and you know, scrolling through social media or, you know, looking at the news or, or working email, spend some time with God and do it outside. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Why do we need to do that? Why do we need to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, because the world's an ugly place, right?
right? And if that's all we focus on, if with the, what's bad in the world and the sin of the world, it's going to drag us down. And what's it going to do? It's going to increase our stress. So we pay attention to the things God has put around us that are going to reduce our stress. All right, learning number three. Here's another one uh, from this psalm that'll help us. To reduce stress, I need to seek God's wisdom and not just my own. A common source of stress is the decisions that we have to make in life. And again, if we have too many choices, too many directions that we can go, and we're trying to make that decision without God's guidance, it's just going to paralyze us. It's going to cause indecision in our life. And God is our shepherd. He desires to be the number one go-to for us when we need wisdom in our life. He wants us to seek him in everything we do, to get his direction, his knowledge, you know, his understanding. Listen to James 1.5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. How many times do we need wisdom throughout the day? And how many times do we seek God in an answer for that wisdom? Probably not very often. James says all we have to do is ask. That God's just waiting. He's just waiting for us to ask him. So we need to pray, and we need to ask God, and then we need to listen. And, and I promise you, God's going to guide you. He says he's going to be our shepherd. But it may not be the guidance in the time frame that you want that guidance to be. You may have a decision you got to make next week or next month. God may not answer you until you're closer to having to make that decision. I guarantee you, though, his timing is always perfect. Again, what's he trying to build in us? Trusting in him. That psalm said, he guides me along the right path for his namesake. When we seek his wisdom, he's going to guide us on the, wrong, on the right path. He's not going to send us down the wrong path. That's a promise. And you can claim that. I can claim that when we pray. Hey, God, you promised to guide me, and here's the wisdom that I need. Trust him. A part of relying on God's wisdom is to fully trust him. Even when we go through, what did David call them? Dark valleys. Anybody, and you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody going through a, a dark valley? Anybody been through a dark valley in their life? Of course you have. I don't think it's a surprise to any of us this morning that dark valleys are a part of life. It'd be great to stay on top of that mountain all the time and walk on the ridge of the mountain, right? But we have to go down into the dark valleys. And sometimes bad things happen in the sinful world that we're living in. And again, when we go through those dark valleys, God wants us to trust him. David said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? What did he say? He said, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, again, I've read this a, a ton of times in my life and and, and we just don't tend to stop and think, okay, what does that mean? Well, he's alluding again. Go back to the Lord is my shepherd. The rod and the staff were two tools that a shepherd would use. The rod was to 
you know, to keep the predators away, the evil away, if you will. And the staff was to guide and direct the sheep in the right way to go. Again, David's saying we don't need to stress out. We don't need to fear even when times are really dark in our life because God's our protector. God is guiding us through that. You're not going to walk through it and then God's going to be at the end. He's going to walk through whatever you're going through in your life. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but I guarantee all of us are going through something. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's a relationship. In that relationship, there's conflict in that relationship. Maybe, you know, it's a financial matter. But God promises I'm going to walk through those dark valleys with you, and I'm still going to guide you, and I'm still going to protect you. Psalm 142, verse 3, another psalm written by David. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. You know, that, that's saying, hey, you know, when I'm overwhelmed, when I don't know the decision to make, when I don't know which direction to go, you know, when I'm ready to give up, God already knows what I should do. Again, we seek his wisdom and only his wisdom. As our shepherd, he promises to protect us. He promises to guide us. Here's learning number four. Another thing to reduce our stress. To reduce stress, I need to let God handle my enemies. Now, I know none of y'all have any enemies, right? Yeah, we all have enemies. There's people that don't like us. There's people that don't agree with us. There's people that may want to destroy us because they're jealous of us or, or whatever. Let me let you in on a little secret. There are people in my life that do not like me. There's people in your life that do not like you. That's something that we all have in common, right? There's people that don't like us. There's people that criticize us. There's people maybe that want to hurt you. There's people that want to possibly destroy us. And I don't know about you, but my first reaction when somebody does something to me is I want to get even. And I'm just being honest. That's my, that's my, you know, my first inclination is I want to get even with that person. But I know that I can't do that because I'm just stooping down to their level. And what David's saying here in this psalm, really God's saying through King David, is we need to let him handle our enemies. We need to let him take care of those issues. So how do we truly do that? How do we truly allow God to take care of our enemies when, again, we just want to get back at them? We want to make them suffer. We want to make them hurt. And David was a master at this, King David. He was the second king of Israel. The first king of Israel was King Saul. And when King Saul was still the king of Israel, David was anointed as the next king of Israel. He was the king in waiting, if you will, while Saul was still the king. Saul did not like that. Saul wanted to kill David. And we don't know how many years there's all kinds of biblical debate on that, but it was years that David was the king in waiting. And during all of that time, he's, he's, or a lot of that time, he was on the run. Because again, Saul wanted to take him out. He didn't want David to take his 
kinship, yet in all that time, David still honored Saul as the king of Israel. He, ne- he, he never did anything to undermine Saul's leadership, even though Saul wanted to kill him. David even had the opportunity to kill Saul, yet he didn't do it. He chose to allow God to take care of his enemies. And he wrote, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's as if King David is writing, or, 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 yeah, writing and drawing this picture for us that says, hey, God's going to throw the banquet. We're, his followers are going to be in attendance, and our enemies are going to be watching. As if God's saying, these are my people. These are my chosen people, but he protects us. He covers us in the midst of those enemies. He throws us a banquet. So in spite of your attackers or my attackers or our critics, in spite of uh, the enemies that we have, the people that don't like us, God says, I'm going to protect you and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to throw a banquet for you. That's the picture he's saying, I'm still going to bless you despite what all these enemies are trying to do to you. Something else David wrote, Psalm 18, verses 1 through 2. I love you, Lord, you are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me in my place of safety. Does David sound very stressed right in that? No. But he's in a cave surrounded by enemies, and he's thanking God for the enemies he's already uh, delivered from him, but he's not a bit worried because he knows the Lord is his shepherd. He knows the Lord is his protector. He knows the Lord is in control. It takes a lot of faith to praise the Lord and rest in the Lord when you have enemies all around you. It takes a lot of faith to trust God and not take matters into your own hand. Let's just be honest about that. It's hard to let God take care of our enemies. But when people misunderstand us, when people talk smack about us, when they misjudge us, we got to let God handle it. And look at the life of Jesus. He was constantly attacked, wasn't he? Constantly attacked by the religious elite, the religious leaders. We we as a church kind of know what that looks like. You know, 13 and a half years ago when we, when we started this church, it blew my mind how ugly church people could be and some of the things that they said. And listen, my first inclination was to pick up the telephone or to, or to send a scathing email back that they had no idea what they were talking about. But we didn't do that, did we? We, we kept the focus of what God had given us, help people find and follow Jesus, and we let him be our defender. And that's the attitude we have to have when it comes to our enemies if we don't want to constantly live in this perpetual stress. I got to let God handle that. He promises that he will. Folks, Jesus never retaliated. He never got people back. And I think you and I are most like Jesus when we don't retaliate, even though it'd be fun to do that. 1 Peter 4.19 says, So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, Keep on doing what is right. And trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. All right, here's the last one, learning number five. To reduce stress, 
I need to let God fulfill my purpose. I need to let God, in other words, continue to do the work that he's already started in my life. The end of this passage says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the big causes of stress in our life is is the future. What's going to happen? What if I marry the wrong person? What if I don't get the right job? What if this? What if that? That's one way we can look at our future. We can what if ourselves to death. And we're good at that. You know, what about this? What about that? We can either look at our future that way or we can look at it with this last verse says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We can either what if ourselves, or we can trust God at his, at his word. And isn't that ultimately what happens at the end of this life? We, we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that the most important thing? We know this life is just, it's a short stint, isn't it? It's just a trial run for all of eternity so that we become more like Christ as we enter into eternity. And I think what God's saying is, you know, don't worry about all these things that you're worrying about and stressing out of that are going to happen. Keep your eye on the ultimate prize and where you're going to reside forever. I don't know what burden you're carrying today or what stresses you out today, but this works. The 23rd Psalm works. We just have to be willing to let God continue to work in our lives, to continue to complete the work that he's already started in our life. So we look to God to meet all of our needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I shall not want. I have all that I need. We need to rest. We need to rest in him. We need to enjoy what he's already given us, enjoy his creation. We got to seek his wisdom in everything we do, not try to do it on our own. That's too much stress. And then we got to try to let God handle our enemies. But ultimately, we got to trust him to complete the work that he's already started in each and every one of us. Jesus said this, and I'll end with this, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. We need to take Jesus at his word. We need to take God at his word through King David, if we will. We will be transformed. We will be changed in the way we have stress. We can truly start to have peace and to rest and refresh ourselves. So let's pray together. God, thank you that you are our shepherd. Lord, help us to remember when we think about that what the shepherd's role was, how you guide us, how you protect us, how you take care of our enemies how you're never leaving us alone. You're always with us, watching over us. God, help us to really put into practice what we've talked about today. 
so that we can be transformed from being full of stress and worry and anxiety to having the peace that you desire for us to have. Help us to truly rest in you and allow you to continue to work in each of our lives. And, you know, if you're watching from home or here and you're praying and you've never invited Christ into your life to be your shepherd, I want to encourage you. Maybe today's the day that you do that. He is the only place that we're ever going to find true peace and true rest. God, thank you that we don't have to stress. That if we would just quote that first line of the 23rd Psalm, that you are our shepherd, we're going to reduce the stress in our lives. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Amen. A couple things before we leave Today, after the 11 o'clock service, we're having uh, Blue Ridge Church 101, which is kind of a get-to-know-us session, where for about an hour and 10 minutes, we talk about the style, structure, strategy of Blue Ridge Church. Why do we do some of the things? Uh, we do a little bit of the history. So if you're signed up for that, you know, meet us back here about 12 o'clock. We'll get started. If you want to come to that and you haven't signed up, you are more than welcome to come. Now, next Sunday, immediately following this service, uh, we're having what's called a volunteer. And, and what that is, is Cody is going to have a group of folks that are interested in learning more about, you know, the serving opportunities at the church. And he's going to walk you through every one of our volunteer ministries that we have on Sunday morning. They'll give you just a quick overview of it, uh, you know, no pressure to sign up to serve, but if you've been thinking, you know, I'd like to get involved, that'll kind of give you an idea of the different areas of ministry we have on Sunday morning. So if you'd like to do that, you can stop by the hub in the lobby and sign up to do that. I hope you guys have a terrific Sunday afternoon. Stay warm, uh, grab a friend, and come back and join us next week. God bless you guys.